invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, we're concluding our series, living obediently with this character in the Bible named Jonah, the running man. And we saw he started in chapter 1, running away from God, chapter 2, running now back to God. Then chapter 3, he was running with God as he obeyed, but this running man continues to run, and in chapter 4, he's running ahead of God. (laughs) There are times in our lives that maybe we find ourselves in the will of God struggling, and because we're struggling with God's will, we begin to run ahead of him, looking to fabricate our own plans instead of his perfect will. In chapter 3 of Jonah, we saw that Jonah goes and preaches to Nineveh. And Nineveh repents of that message of judgment. And they proclaim a fast to seek the Lord and to turn from their wicked ways. But here we see in chapter 4 that the heart of every problem, notice this church, the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. It's the problem of the heart. Because here, just like God worked in Nineveh, God still needed to work in Jonah. And God maybe is working around us, but he still wants to work inside of us. In chapter 4, we see a different prayer. Because the first prayer we saw in chapter 2 was a prayer from a broken heart. But in chapter 4, we see a prayer now, his second prayer, from an angry heart. That God uses him, but his disobedience in his heart leads to anger. There's so many of us even here tonight that need the joy, the peace, and the love of God because we struggle with anger. Angry with people. Maybe angry with God. Angry with your situation. Angry with your circumstance. And Jonah here demonstrates that he had a hard heart, and in fact, God is still using him. God still uses him with a hard heart. Now, notice what happens is that you can be a part of the work, but miss out on the blessing, because your heart's not in the right place. And you come, and you serve, and you're doing the things, and you're going through the motions, you're seeing God work, and you're a part of the work, but you are not a part of the blessing, Because your heart is angry and it's hard. Here in Jonah chapter 3 and 4, you see that he was obedient outwardly, but he lacked compassion inwardly. He was doing what he was supposed to do outwardly, but he was disobedient in the heart. In fact, as we read chapter 4, we start to see that he only obeyed because he was afraid of the consequences. Not because he was obeying with joy from the heart. His service to the people of Nineveh was out of duty. It was not out of love. And he didn't love the people that he was serving. So yes, God was using him, but he wasn't loving them. He was filled with with complaints, impulsive. He was quick to get angry. Instead of repenting, his heart becomes hard. And his heart is not right with the Lord. You see, the reason why he was angry, because at the core of anger was pride. At the core of anger was a selfishness here toward the need and toward the unbelievers. 
He was not blessed with what God has done. And we see here that he was full of self instead of full of mercy. What does the Bible tell us when it comes to anger in James chapter 1? It says, so then, my beloved brethren, be swift. Every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Be slow to get angry. And he follows up. He says, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It's simple. The anger of man doesn't produce God's holiness, doesn't produce God's righteousness. You know what happens when you get in angry believers and in, in group of people that are being disobedient to God? Their anger leads them to sin. And then they start to become very controlling. Then the works of jealousies come out of their lives, of envy, of manipulation. They become very bitter. And they start to hold resentment against people because of the anger that's in their hearts. That's why we have to protect our heart. What does the Bible say? Our heart is desperately wicked. It is deceitful. And Jonah is following his heart. He's following his emotions. He is an emotional servant here in chapter 4. So here is the problem of the heart. You see two things. Number one, Jonah's heart. Number two, God's kindness. Isn't it a blessing that even when our heart is not right with God, God still shows us kindness? It says this in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry, so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please, Take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, it is right for you to be angry. Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat under the shade till he might see what would become of that city. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we ask right now, Lord, that you would show us if we are struggling today with anger. If in our hearts, the Holy Spirit is being grieved because of bitterness. If, Lord, if envy or jealousy exists in our hearts, the works of the flesh, that you would reveal that to us right now. So that we would be a church that is spirit-filled. That we would be obedient, not only outwardly in the works, but that we would be obedient in the hearts. So Lord, you be with us now in Jesus' name. And together we said, amen. Now let's look at Jonah's heart here in verse one because God relented from the judgment that he was going to give the people of Nineveh. And he sent there Jonah with a message. God's judgment is coming in 40 days. The people repented. So God relented from his judgment and his wrath upon that people. And when that took place, it said that Jonah was angry with the results. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that when God calls us to do something, oftentimes our attitude changes based off the results? You see, we don't serve God based off the result. We serve God because of obedience. Not looking for a result, not looking for expectation, looking for obedience, looking for faithfulness. And the moment that our attitude is based off a result, we're never going to be able to do exactly what God wants us to do. 
Because we're going to be looking at what, what, what it's in it for us. What's the outcome? Here Jonah had a hard heart. It said that it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he became, notice that word, angry. He was upset that God changed his plans. He was upset that God relented. He was upset that God was demonstrating to Nineveh now mercy and grace. He was upset that these people repented. Why? Because these were the enemies now of his people, of the nation of Israel. And he knew, he said, these are the enemies of my people. How is it that God would not just give them what they deserve? But notice this, very important in verse 1, that we realize that God does not need our approval God does not need our permission to change his plans. Oftentimes, we want God to do whatever he told us he was going to do, but God will change his plans, as that's up to him. He's God, and we're not God. And he was angry that the people repented. In fact, notice what happens is that Jonah went and obeyed the Lord when it came to preaching to Nineveh, and he appreciated God's grace in his own life, when God delivered him from the belly of the fish, but he didn't believe that the people of Nineveh deserved the same grace and the same mercy. I mean, there are times in our lives that our hearts are filled with selfishness that we say, God, forgive me, please, if you would just get me out of this situation. And the Lord forgives us, but then we know of a brother, a sister, somebody that also needs the mercy and grace of God. And in our hearts, we don't want them to receive that. And here we see that Jonah had that problem. He was learning to surrender to God's plans. He was learning to surrender to God's plans. Notice this, with joy. With joy. Because he had a bad attitude against the will of God. Instead of obeying the Lord with joy, he had a bad attitude. He was angry with God's will. He was resisting God's will. What does the Bible tell us in regards to joy and the fruit of the Spirit? That the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of walking in the Spirit is love, and love produces joy. The reason why Jonah did not have joy in the will of God is because he didn't love the people that God called him to serve. So it never produced joy in him. He was walking in the flesh. He was not walking in the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. It produces joy. It produces peace and long-suffering. None of these attributes or characteristics were evident in the life of Jonah. Because there was an unrighteous ego, that it was, he was egocentric, that produces the poison in our lives, even in Jonah's life, of selfishness at the heart. Why? Jonah had a problem with the will of God. What does that do? Anger. Anger. Jonah had a problem with the will of God. And he's resisting it. So it's very frustrating to resist the will of God. It's very frustrating. You become very discouraged, angry, and frustrated. Notice what happens here in verse 2, because he prayed to the Lord. It says, so he prayed to the Lord. And this is not even so much a prayer. In fact, it was a complaint. Have you ever noticed oftentimes we go to the Lord in prayer, and, and it's truly not even a prayer. It's, it's mostly filled with complaints. We come, Lord, here, we call it a request, but truly it's a complaint. He was not blessed that others repented, and he said this, and he said, Ah, Lord, was this not, or was not this what I said 
when I was still in my country. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. God, I knew you would do this. I knew you would forgive them. This is why I left. This is why I didn't even obey. (laughs) Because I knew that you would forgive these people as I predicted, so I fled. You see that he's wanting to justify his disobedience? And what does he say here now? For I know, Lord, that you're merciful. I know that you're compassionate. I know, God, that you are a forgiving God. And he continues this verse in verse 2 by saying this. Lord, I know that you're slow to anger. You're filled with unfailing love and abundant and loving kindness. Your love is loyal. Your love doesn't fail. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. You relent. You're full of grace. What is he doing? He's recognizing the character of God. What is the character of God? In Psalms 86 verse 5, it says this, Rejoice the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Abundant mercy to all those who call upon you. So beautiful to know that God is ready to forgive. Here he's describing the character of God in Psalms 86, verse 15. Later on, it says this, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and in truth. God's character is one of compassion. And that's the very thing that Jonah did not have, compassion. You know what compassion is? Compassion is carrying other people's burdens. Compassion is willing to identify with the need. And Jonah saw these people, but he didn't have compassion for them. You see, when you don't have compassion for the need in other people's lives, you'll never be willing to serve them. So what happens here after he's complaining in verse 3, he gets emotional and says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Have you ever prayed something like that before? Lord, I pray that you would just take me out of this situation. Lord, I want to resign. Lord, I want to quit. Lord, I want to give in. I want this to end now. Lord, take my life for now, for it is better for me to die than to live in this. I don't want to go back now and see the goodness of God in a people that I don't love. It caused anger in him. In fact, he's praying a very emotional now complaint unto the Lord with a death wish. He's saying, I'm coming now because I don't approve of these people repenting. And if I'm to see this, Lord, then just let me die. Now, it's so interesting that when he called on God's mercy, he enjoyed the mercy of God. But it was time for him to extend the mercy of God to others. He resented it. He was upset. He was upset. You know what that's called? Self-righteousness. When we believe that we deserve God's grace, but other people don't. You know what? Everyone deserves God's grace. But he is not a God that wishes that any should perish, but all come to repentance. All of us need the grace of God. All of us are sinners and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what Jonah lacked? Compassion to see the need. We ought to always look at people through the lens of compassion. To say, Lord, give me 
eyes to see the way you see them. So that I have a burden for souls. So that I have a burden for people. Notice what happens here. What a selfish complaint in prayer he brings before the Lord in verse 4. It says, then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Do you think you have any right to be angry about what I'm doing? Do you think that you have any kind of business becoming upset with my plan in your life or what I choose to do, who I choose to show grace and favor on and, and who I don't? Is it right for you to be angry? Maybe today God is telling you this. Is it right for you to be upset about the situation? He's confronting Jonah. He's challenging him. It is not right for you to be angry with God's plan. Notice also, or with God's outcome. Because he's God and the results are in his hands. But why does he ask him that question? Is it right for you to be angry? Because he's asking him a question so that he would reveal in Jonah the intentions of his own hearts. So that he would expose his sin, his anger, his selfishness, his pride. Jonah, you think it's right for you to be angry about this? About the blessing? Why is it oftentimes there's a blessing taking place in someone else's life, and instead of being blessed for them, we become angry? <laughs> is it right for you to be angry about this? Because you know what the, the anger only reveals? Oh, it's only a reflection of? His anger only reveals his arrogance. His arrogance. His anger only reveals his character. And this question, as you read it, and look at this question, is it right for you to be angry? You know what this is, truly what this is? It's a simple test of character. It's a test of character. He's testing his character. You, you want to find out what your character truly is? Test your character. Ask yourself that question. What makes me happy? <laughs> what, what kind of things make me angry? Well, what do I get upset about? Well, what makes me want to give up? Because that's really going to tell you what your character is. Jonah here is revealing that he's a man that is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That one day, at one time, he is following the Lord. He's expressing the joy, but he's unstable in all his ways because the next day, what does he do? Then he's complaining. In James, it speaks of this, James 1a, he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Jonah, unstable in all his ways. And the Lord has asked him, is it right for you to be angry about this, about my perfect will? Maybe God is doing something around you or inside of you, in your family, in your home, in the ministry. <laughs> and instead of yielding to his will, you're resisting his will. And God is asking tonight, is it right for you to be angry about this? This is my plan. <laughs> you know what our answer should be? No, Lord, all your ways are right, even when I don't understand them. Even when I don't understand them, your ways are right. Because Jonah here was seeing and walking by sight and not by faith. He was looking at the outward appearance and not the inward reality. Do you remember back when the prophet Samuel went to anoint King David and he called Jesse and his sons? 
And he was looking at the outward appearance, and, and the Lord spoke to Samuel. He says, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. As he was going one by one and saying, this must be at the king. He says, because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. When God was asking Jonah this question, is it right for you to be angry? You know what he was looking at? His heart. His heart. Not his actions simply, but also his intentions. Not only his actions, also his intentions, also his motivation. We have to be careful that we don't think that we can get by just by our actions. God looks at our intentions. And he was looking at his heart right here. That's why we have to ask ourselves, Lord, am I struggling with anger? Is that the problem? Is pride the problem? Selfishness the problem? You know what we have to do? Stop blaming people. Stop blaming and ask God to give you peace. So right there where you are, you can serve him. Serve him and please the Lord alone. You know what he does then? He, he goes in verse 5, so jo- Jonah went out to the city, very angry, fighting against God's will. Outwardly, his actions, look at my actions, my actions are good, but his heart, the inward reality, is not submitted to God. And what does he say? He goes to the side, east side of the city, he made himself a little shelter, he sat under it by the shade, till he might see what would become of the city. He said, all right, let the fireworks show begin. He wanted to see the judgment come upon Nineveh. He waited to see what would happen to the city. He was there saying, in stubbornness, with lack of compassion, knowing, all right, let's see some judgment, Lord. All right, God, what's going to happen? Did Jonah truly want the best for these people? Maybe his actions said one thing, but his intentions and the motivations of his heart said another. Why? Because he didn't care about pleasing God. Do you care today about pleasing God or do you want to please man? You can't be a people pleaser and think you're pleasing God at the same time. You can't fake integrity. You can try to fake integrity, but you can't do it before the Lord. I love what Warren Worsby said. He said this, when reputation is more important than character and pleasing ourselves and our friends is more important than pleasing God, then we are in danger of becoming like Jonah and living to defend our prejudices instead of fulfilling our spiritual responsibilities. You have a spiritual responsibility to fulfill, and you cannot fulfill that spiritual responsibility if you're pleasing people. You cannot fulfill your calling if you're pleasing people. And you know what it starts? The problem, the intentions of the heart. Now let's look at God's kindness in verse 6. And the Lord God prepared. He's going to prepare three things here for Jonah. Not only does he prepare a servant, but he also prepares a place for that servant. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it to come up over Jonah, that it may, might be a shade for his head to deliver him from his Misery, so Jonah was very grateful for the plan. (laughs) Look at the attitude adjustment that he received very quickly when God was graciously dealing with his servant. God is so good that even when we're complaining, 
even when we are angry, he graciously deals with us. Even when the people around us are coming against us with anger, you know what he does? He graciously deals with him. He is in control. It didn't say that God just struck Jonah or God had to teach Jonah a hard lesson. What is, how does God come? He comes with grace. And it's in verse 6, it says, God, the Lord, God, circle that word, prepared. Why, why is that word so important? Because it speaks of the sovereignty of God. He prepared now a plant because he was in control. And this plant was that it would deliver Jonah of his misery, and it's sad that he was grateful for the plant. You see, gratitude is part of our attitude, and it speaks here that he had a grateful attitude when the blessing was directly associated to him. <laughs> when it was affecting him, he was, he was now filled with joy and peace and, and, and grateful now. Oh, thank you, Lord, so much. One moment he's saying, Lord, take my life. I'm ready to die. <laughs> then he goes out and, and God says that, saw that he needed deliverance and, and, and he needed shade. So God comes and gives him grace now and shows him, look at the shade that I'm giving you tenderly. Loving his servant, bringing him back to the place of joy, bringing him back to the place of fellowship. Why? Because God blesses us to bring us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. So even when he was in anger, even when he was in disobedience, God puts a shade over him. Or notice this, God puts a covering. God puts a covering on Jonah. And he delivers him from his misery. It said, no, notice that. He delivered him from his misery or from his pain, even his disobedience. God had a covering. And he was very grateful for the plant. It's important that we don't receive God's grace with an attitude. It's important that we receive God's grace, understanding that it is his mercy and his compassion that still holds us. Because the second thing that he prepared, but as the morning dawned, the next day God prepared, this is the second preparation of God, a worm. Why does God prepare a worm? First, he prepared a covering to deliver him from his misery. First, he prepared a plant as a blessing in his life, but then he prepared a worm. God oftentimes teaches us by preparing a worm. And what happened to this worm, it damaged the plant, and the plant dried out. He experienced a loss. And it was damaged, the plant, and it withered now in verse 7. What happens when we experience loss? When, when what God gave us, then it's taken away. You know, oftentimes we have to remember that we should remain with a humble attitude that, that that which God gave us, he can also take it away. But the same way he blessed you with it, he can remove it. Oftentimes, God allows a worm to remove something important from your life because he wants to teach you to keep your eyes on the Lord. Not on the blessing, on the Lord. Do you remember what Job said when the Lord struck him? He took his family, his cattle, his land, 
In Job chapter 1, verse 21, look at his character. Look at his integrity here. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what that's called? Integrity. Integrity. The Lord gave it to me. The Lord took it away. Blessed be his name. That's the character. But it also gives us a chance when the Lord takes something away, when he brings that worm into our life, that eats away of the blessing or removes the blessing or removes that which he gave us at one time in our life, that we would seek him and him alone, that we would refocus. Write this down, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. <laughs> refocus. Refocus on what is important, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Keep your eyes on the Lord and refocus. But then also, when the Lord removes something from our life, a blessing that he originally put there is to teach us to rely and depend on him. Not depend on the gift, but to depend on the giver. And that we would consistently be relying on him. Why? Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Write this down. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, that Paul told the church of Thessalonica that was going through persecution, in everything, give thanks. He didn't say in some things or when things are going well. Or when God gives you a plant and not a worm. In everything, maybe God has given you or taking away or removing now things from your life that he wants to remove so that your eyes can be back on him. And not on a position. Not on a title. Not on a status. That your eyes would be on him. And oftentimes God has to remove. He has to lean things out. He has to clean up house in our lives so that in everything we can give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything you thanks, for this is the will of God. What is the will of God? To give thanks in everything. When God gives, you give thanks. When God removes, you also give thanks. Why? Because that's the very will of God. But notice the third thing that God prepared. It said in verse 8, he prepared a wind. First, a plant, a covering, a blessing, then a worm that removes that blessing or loss to clean up or to lean out, to look to redirect Jonah to God and not that plant. But then God prepared a wind. And let's look at this wind, what happens here. And it happened when the sun arose, God prepared a vehement or a very aggressive east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint, tired, and then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. What happened to the one that was so grateful? What happened to the servant that had a good day the day before? He went from being grateful. Notice what happens after. It says this now. It says, it's better for me to die than to live. He only had a good attitude when things were going for him. 
You see the selfishness that, that happened? It's all about Jonah here. This is why people always complain. If your life or the life of people around you are always complaining, you know, you know why they're always complaining? Because they're constantly thinking about self. The people that always complain are those that are constantly thinking of self. There's a false trinity that exists in their lives. And you know what that false trinity is? Me, myself, and I. And that's exactly where their hearts are filled with complaints and not with gratitude. But you know what the east wind represents for us? It represents the trials that we face. (laughs) Because here comes a trial coming upon Jonah, and God sends it. God prepares it. Isn't it beautiful to think that when the wind comes, oftentimes in our life, it has been prepared by God? It's been prepared by God to improve our hearts and to find out where our faith is. The wind in your life has been prepared by God. That storm has been prepared by God so that you know it reveals your heart. Where is your faith? Where's your faith? Because trials are a part of the Christian life and they reveal our true heart. You see, God here, as he prepares this wind, he is working to repair Jonah's heart. And not only is he working to repair Jonah's heart, but he's looking to move Jonah onto a better location because here, Jonah moves. Think about it. Yes, winds, they may be unpleasant, but God uses winds to mature us spiritually. He uses a wind to teach us to depend on him and to have our foundation founded on the rock. Notice in verse 9, it says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? (laughs) You just love the Lord's character. He has humor. Whoever said God didn't have a sense of humor didn't read this chapter. It almost seems that God in his sovereignty is just really teaching by preparing him with a plant and then taking the plant away, then giving him a wind, wind, and then he says, why are you so upset? (laughs) Maybe you need to ask that person next to you, "Why, why are you so upset? God is in control. God is preparing all of this. You're not in charge, God is in charge. And if God is in charge, we can have peace because we trust in the name of Jesus. Amen. And he said, is it right for me to be angry even to death? This is what he answers. That word where it says, is it right? He's saying, is it pleasing for you to be angry? It's not pleasing for you to be angry. Is it good? That's what it means for you to be angry? No, it's not good. Do you think you do well? That's what he's saying, for you to be angry? No, you're not doing well. But he responds with all the wrong answers every time. I pray that you, as the Lord takes you and gives you the plant, and he gives you the worm, and he sends you the wind, and he asks you, are you okay? Or are you angry that you give him the right answers? Because Jonah here was giving him the, right, the wrong answers. Why? Because in his heart, he was discontent. It wasn't about Nineveh. 
It wasn't about the plant. It was about Jonah. He was discontent. He was selfish. He was thinking about himself. And notice what it says. The Lord said, he now convicts him and he confronts him. And in verse 10, but the Lord said, you have had pity or you felt sorry on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Why is it that you feel such a big loss or angry or sorry or you care about this plant that you did nothing to put it there or then take it away? It came up and it left in a night. It quickly came up and then it left. You did nothing for it, so why are you so angry? I'm the one that gave it to you. And what was God doing? He he was using this process now. When he gave him the worm, when he gave him the plant, when he gave him the wind, you know what he was doing? He was getting Jonah's attention. (laughs) And God gets our attention sometimes when he adds, but also God loves to get our attention when he subtracts. This is exactly what he's doing. See, the, the, the tree was a sign of the blessing. The worm was the sign of the removal of the blessing. And the wind caused Jonah to move. But what was God doing in the midst of it? Repairing Jonah's heart. Repairing Jonah's heart. Because Jonah needed to have an eternal perspective, an eternal perspective, not a temporary perspective, that this is mine. You know what the problem is oftentimes? And when God gives us a blessing, we hold that blessing with a closed fist. And then when God wants to ask for it back, we kick, we scream, and we pout. That's what I love in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul says, consider us a servant and a steward of God. You know what that means, a servant and a steward of God? You're just a servant, and you're just a steward. Servant means you're there to serve. Steward means it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to you. God was revealing the selfishness and the bitter heart that Jonah had. This is why he was angry, because he was selfish. This is why he was having a problem, because in his heart was bitterness. But God, in the middle of it all, you know what he's doing? He's showing him mercy. Through everything, he's preparing Jonah. And notice what happens here, even in verse 11, because the Lord's going to speak now to Jonah. Don't you love it that in chapter 1, verse 1, it said that, that God had the first word for Jonah? Go to Nineveh. At the end here of chapter 4, at the end of the story, God has the last word. <laughs> Jonah 1, verse 1, the Lord told Jonah. Jonah 4, verse 11, the Lord speaks to Jonah again. God has the first and final word. God has the first And the final word, he's still speaking to Jonah. Jonah is still listening. Jonah is answering, but he's giving him the wrong answers. Why? Because he has the wrong attitude. Notice verse 11, it said, and should I not pity Nineveh? You you care about the plant. But should I not pity or have compassion on Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons? There's more than 120,000 people here. He needed to learn the lesson of compassion. That I have compassion for lost souls, 
There's more than 120 people living in spiritual darkness in Nineveh, and you don't care about them. Persons who cannot discern between the right hand and their left, and much livestock. Do you see, Jonah, what's happening here? Should I not have compassion on people that have no discernment? Jonah, why do you care more about temporary things than eternal souls? And maybe today he's asking, why are you so concerned about these temporary things? Why are you so concerned about a job, a position, a title? Why are you so concerned about power instead of souls? Instead of souls. You see, here's the contrast between Jonah. It's an, an ingracious heart and then the kindness from the heart of the Lord. Yes, God wanted to save Nineveh, but you know what he also wanted to save? He's so compassionate. He's so loving. He's so wonderful. God also wanted to save Jonah. <laughs> and how was he doing it? By showing him grace. What was Jonah doing? He was doing the will of God, but it wasn't from the heart. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Do God's will, not with eye service, not when people are watching you, not as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing God's will from the heart. From the heart. Do it with joy. And when we're angry, notice what happens. When we're angry with God, everything in our life goes out of perspective. The things that are truly important no longer are important because we're thinking about self. We're caught up in all the materialistic things and what we do is selfish. What we say is selfish. And it's so sad because things become more important than people. We put projects before people. We put comfort before ministry. You know what's essential in the will of God what we see in the book of Jonah? That when we discover God's will for our lives, that we would be content in God's will for our lives. That you would be happy in the will of God. Not pouting, not screaming, not, not fighting God's will. Just be happy in his will. So that, like the psalmist in Psalms 40 verse 8, you know what David said? I delight to do your will. <laughs> This is a man that was in the presence of God. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will today. I just want to do your will, God. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to scream. I don't want to fight. I just want to do your will. And you know what he does? He renews the inward person. And he changes our hearts so that our focus would be on eternity. So maybe today you have to say, Lord... I need to repent from this attitude so that I can too say, I want to delight to do your will. Lord, give me peace because I'm struggling with anger. Give me peace today, Lord. Do you want the peace of God? You know what he says? Philippians chapter four, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are praiseworthy, lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there's anything vir of virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me do, these things do, and the God of peace will be with you.